BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And now, now, prepare yourself for the only talk radio show you'll want to turn up. Crank this thing. Sirius XM Pandora presents the place where your hard rock and metal voice can still be heard. Unfiltered, uncensored, say whatever you want. Hit the record button. Anything can happen, you know. I know there ain't nobody out there came to be mellow tonight, now did you? I say, I say there ain't nobody. I'll say there ain't nobody not out there that even wants to be a little bit mellow, now is there? This is the Trunk Nation Podcast with host Eddie Trunk. Hey everybody, it's Eddie Trunk. Welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. New episodes every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening and subscribing. As I tell you every week, the podcasts you hear, the interviews you hear, I should uh, that you hear, I should say, on this podcast originate on my radio show. Uh, all the interviews you hear aired live on the radio on Sirius XM Volume Channel 106. That show can be heard daily, Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Nightly re-airs 10 to midnight Eastern. Anything you want, anytime you want on the Sirius XM app, audio and video. If you only listen to this podcast and you're not listening to Sirius XM, you're only getting a tiny, tiny fraction of what I do on the radio on a daily basis. So please come on board and join me every day for Trunk Nation on volume live 2 to 4 Eastern, re-airs 10 to midnight Eastern, and anything you want. If you can't listen in those windows, you can always go to the app and listen anytime you want. You want to hear the whole picture? Be sure to listen on Sirius XM. Uh, this week on the podcast, an interview that happened a few weeks ago with Dave Menachetti, the lead singer of the band Y&T, and also the band's lead guitarist and their sole surviving original member. Y&T has had a lot of tragedy in recent years, losing their original drummer, uh, Leonard Hayes, losing their original guitarist, Joey Alves, and also a number of years ago, losing Phil Kenamore, the band's original bass player. So of the original four members of this fantastic band, only Dave Menachetti remains. Now, the band has been going for decades, and Dave has a great lineup together now, and they continue to tour and make music out there on the road. Uh, Dave, of course, again, the lead guitarist and lead singer of the band, and phenomenal at both. It was recently revealed that Dave Menachetti is battling prostate cancer, and he still has a bit of a road ahead of him to beat it. Dave and I are friends and have known each other forever. I checked in with him to see how he was doing in this battle and how he was holding up. 
And we talked privately for a bit. And then in one of the conversations, he said to me, you know, if you wanted to discuss this on the air, I'd be cool with coming on the air and talking about it. Uh, he felt it was important, and so did I, for these stories to get out because it can help people who are battling or maybe uh, neglecting being screened for cancer, especially as we get older in our lives. So Dave was willing to come on and talk about all of this, what he's going through, what his prognosis is, what it means for the future of Y&T, and we get into all of that in the conversation you're about to hear. So let's get to it right now. Dave Menichetti of Y&T talking about the future of the band and his future as far as what, is it, what he's in store for as he battles and continues to battle prostate cancer. Here's Dave Menichetti from Trunk Nation on volume, now on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Dave. How you doing, Eddie? Good, good. You know, before we get into stuff, I got to ask you, we, I do this thing on the show from time to time where people will call in with their favorite bands and be like, that band should have been way bigger. That band should have been huge. And it's, it's fun to get into because it sheds some light on these bands and it's uh d- debate them and discuss them and all of that. So I'm curious, your own band Y and T comes up often in this conversation, but do you have a band do you, Dave Menichetti, have a band that you love that you felt should have been way bigger than they were as a fan? <laughs> wow. Uh, over the decades, there were probably a bunch of them that, uh, that now have all faded away in my mind. <laughs> but, but even uh, if they did, is there one or two that jump out that you like loved seeing no matter how old and you were like, damn, why didn't they happen bigger? Yeah, that's a good That's That's almost... Uh, well, you know, when I was very young, <laughs> and one of my very first shows that I ever saw was Leslie West and Mountain, and I always thought that those guys were great, but uh, really, at the end of the day, when you look back at it all, I guess they didn't get a lot of attention back at the, uh, you know, maybe they, they had the one song that got a lot of attention, but uh, wasn't a lot happening with that. Uh, and of course, Leslie West himself was just a great, great guitar player, great blues player as well. Um, so he was one of my faves that just was sort of under the radar to some degree. Yeah, you know, I I knew Leslie quite well, and we lost him recently, which is just terrible. Right. But he he had a uh, yeah, you know, he did have a really big impact on a lot of guitar players, more so than he often gets credit for. I think he he shaped and influenced your playing. He did. Absolutely. I, I can guarantee you that a lot of the uh, type of way that I approached playing certain notes and things came from Leslie West's style. When, uh, when I first saw him, it was, a, it was a big impact for me. And strangely enough, I saw him at a show that uh, ended up becoming free for me because he was opening for Sly and the Family Stone at the Oakland Coliseum. And it was one of those Sly and the Family Stone shows where Sly screwed up and didn't show up. And <laughs> the, pla- the place was sold out. So you're talking about 12,000 people plus, And it was a mixed race crowd of, you know, I guess you could say, half of the crowd was kind of like, oh my God, Leslie West is going into this 10 minute guitar solo in the middle of a song. And, uh, and they're like, oh, oh, we'll just suffer through this until Sly comes on. (laughs) Well, two hours later, as the promoter kept coming out and going, he's coming, he's coming. 
you know, eventually said, nope, save, save your ticket stubs. You're going to get a refund. He never showed. So we got to see Leslie West for free. Yay. <laughs> there's, I'm laughing because there's a great bit on an Andrew Dice Clay comedy record about him going to see Sly and Sly not showing up or showing up late. And it's just hysterical. And when you're saying that, it's just sticking in my head right now because I guess that was a thing. <laughs> That was a thing for Sly Stone back in the day. He was the original Axl Rose, I guess. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. You know, I think they said that he was cruising around in a limo doing coke or something, and he just decided not to show. As one would do when there's 10,000 people waiting for you. I mean, exactly. you know, why, why not, right? Why not? <laughs> And, you know, Dave, I know you've addressed this before, but just because it's been the theme of this, uh, the last day or so of this show with these bands that get to a certain point and don't get to the, the arena headlining level or what have you. When when you look at your own career with Y&T, I was saying earlier to the audience, I said, look, you, you know, when you look at there's all different levels of this. When you look at uh, Y&T and, and you in particular with the band, I mean, I'm sure uh, in your mind, Y&T has been tremendously successful. I mean, it's given you a career. It's given you uh, the ability to play music for a career for your whole life, and it still continues to do that. But you know how fans are. Us as fans are like, they should have been as big as ACDC or whatever. Um, you know, you had that point. You had the hit single. Where was the disconnect where you felt it was the closest to getting to that point and then the misstep maybe where it didn't take that leap for the band's career? Yeah, that's that's always the the thing about a person's career that's been you know, I guess put out over four or five decades almost. You try to figure out along the way, and certainly we had a million times when we kept self reflecting on what happened, how come we didn't, and it, it's really hard to say, Eddie. You know how that is. There's so many different things. Sometimes it's just dumb luck and uh, it it, it comes down to that. There are certainly some, some business decisions that were made or weren't made. I'd say our biggest moment was probably in 1985 or so when we were the most popular in the U S and were absolutely killing it in Europe and the UK and Japan. So we had pretty much everything going for us. And, um, I think there were some decisions that were made that were kind of, you know, the wrong decisions that were made. Uh, One thing was not going back to Europe uh, after 1985. That was one of the stupidest things we ever did because every band always thinks about a time when, oh man, wouldn't it be so cool if we went somewhere and broke that market and became huge. and, And then we could, you know, follow up on that year after year. Well, we started to do that in Europe and the UK and some of the guys and the, and, and our, you know, manager at the time decided to not go back there anymore and just focus on the U S now there's nothing wrong with focusing on the U S but we could have done both. We could have continued building what we had already really, you know, created a great thing happening. And, and that was one thing, but for the U S market, particularly why didn't we make it bigger after 1985 than we should have again i think it was um probably some bad decisions on the record company we were with and uh that was a&m records at the time 
And we honestly, Eddie, we were always on the wrong record company. We started our career with London Records. London Records was getting rid of their rock and roll catalog a year after we joined them. Uh, then we go to A&M. A&M was semi into rock and roll, but not really. And they really wanted to push more pop stuff and, and more new age and, I mean, new wave and any number of other things. So we were kind of the sore thumb on their catalog. And then when we finally got to Geffen, which was the right record company to be with, we just got there at the wrong time because our two releases with them ended up coinciding with the biggest release they were going to have, which was the first big record from Guns N' Roses and the resurgence of Whitesnake. And so we, we kind of just got buried. And then by that time, it was the beginning of 1990s and grunge was big and anybody that was popular in the 80s was now supposedly a bad band. <laughs> you know, everybody was like, right. oh, those 80s guys. And right. so... It was just bad timing and bad record company decisions of being on the wrong company for, for pretty much most of our biggest timing of, of making it in our career. But you know what? It's like you said, here I am 49 years later with this band, yeah. and, and I'm still making a living and, um, and enjoying it, and we're still putting in a crowd. I mean, we just did a sold-out crowd at the Fillmore, 1,200 people. We just played outside 1,200 people. We just played another show, sold out. I mean, you know, I mean, sure, it's in our backyard, it's in the Bay Area, but still, there's so many bands that started in the 70s that can't put anybody in, even in their backyard yeah. anymore. So I'm not complaining. You know, I'm, I'm, I feel good about where I am at this point. Sure, we could have been a lot bigger, but, you know, what, what are you going to do? You know, one, one, one last quick thing on this. You mentioned your record label history and A&M. Did you happen to see the documentary on A&M Records? No, I didn't. There is a documentary. I don't remember the channel it was on. It came out like less than a year ago. It may have been a channel called Epics. Uh, you know how this, the world is oh, yeah. today. There's a million streaming services, channels, and sure. who knows who gets what. But there was a three or four part uh, documentary series about the history of the label, how they started. There are a lot of the artists that were on it and they talked a lot about the company and uh, Herb Albert and Jerry Moss and the lot and everything like that. And the artists that they had signed, uh, unfortunately they did not mention Y and T in the documentary. I was kind of hoping they would. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was holding, I was like, can we get Piper? Can we get Y and T? Can we get, you know, these bands that I love that were on A and M, but they, they focused more on, you know, some of the big breakthrough acts and, and what have you, but they definitely painted a picture of that label of being very family, very artist friendly and a very cool, unique place to be. Uh, as an artist, it doesn't sound like that was exactly your experience. Well, uh, there were some great people that were working there that were sympathetic for Y&T, but the is that they wanted to form us, just like at most record companies, you know how that is. You, you know only too well that once they get somebody in, in their company that they think could be like another band that's really popular on another label, they try to form them. And they try to make them just like that band or get closer to that band because they feel like, you know, just like movies, you know, how many, 
how many remakes of movies are we going to have? You know, because it's a safer thing to do. But unfortunately, they just didn't understand hard rock music. They didn't understand yeah. it. And and the A&R guy, the main A&R guys that we had going through our couple of years with, with A&M, really didn't get it. They just didn't get it. We gave them Mean Streak. They didn't understand what that was. And even when we gave them Summertime Girls, which we really weren't trying to give them a hit single, it just was a weird thing that we came up with that song, they still didn't want Y&T on the label. They, you know, it's, it was just a strange thing. It, it, we, we were, you know, the 10th most requested song on the radio. We were on one of the biggest tours. We were on heavy rotation on MTV. And the A&R guy had written a note supposedly saying, we don't want these guys on our label. So it's, mm. you know, there you go. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're really fighting against the people that are supposed to be doing the best thing for you. Yeah, yeah. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah. That's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world... Every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. So let's get to, um, you know, obviously the, the, we're all, and I reached out to you over the weekend just as a friend to see how you were doing and checking in on you. Um, we, we know that you disclosed recently that you have prostate cancer and are, uh, are battling that now. So if you can, Dave, give us the update on, on how you're doing, what the road ahead looks like. And, you know, I think it's really important and I appreciate you coming on to talk about this because, I, I'm very I'm very open about the fact uh, my dad had colon cancer a number of years ago and he got screened and I'm very vocal about colonoscopies and when I get them and how it's important for screening because we're all getting older and it's important to put this out there that you've got to sure. tell people how important it is to keep up with your health, especially as we get older. So so if you can, um, what you're comfortable talking about, uh, if you can share with us you know, how you found out you, you had cancer and and what you're going through and what the future looks like. Sure. Uh, back in 
2018, I hurt my back and uh, was ca- was completely out. <laughs> I mean, I, I could not play. We had to uh, we had to cancel an entire European tour in the fall, which we do religiously every year. And I'm laying on my back and I'm in amazing pain. And it was the first time anything like that had ever happened. Uh, but one of the things that I was thinking about while I was laying there is, oh, wow, I haven't had a PSA test, which is the blood test that you have to screen yourself for possible having prostate cancer. And I am really good about getting my yearly exams and everything else. And I realized that I'd skipped a year or two. Uh, I think it was the longest I'd ever gone without getting uh, my yearly physical or something. So I thought, okay, well, I get, I better get back on the, on the J here. And I went in and had my PSA test, and it came back high. And uh, it was over the average. It's like zero to four. Anything in that range, you're okay. And I was over that by a little bit. I was like 5.3 or something. And so I went in to see my urologist, and uh, he said, all right, we're going to have to uh, take a biopsy. Uh, and we'll just do a simple one in the office and uh, we'll basically send that biopsy off and see what's happening. Well, it came back negative, but then he said, but a couple of weeks later, I was all, okay, great. You know, and then a couple of weeks later it goes, well, I sent that same biopsy out to this other lab that does this type of uh, thing. And I can't remember what it is, um, but, but basically they look at the biopsy and they, and they, figure out whether or not maybe he just missed the area where it really was. I mean, the prostate's not very big, but if you're taking 12 little samples of it, snippets of it, you could very well miss the actual area where the, where there, if there was cancer, if, you know, if, if it was there or not. And so that came back as like a 47% chance or more that I did still have cancer, but they just missed it. So he said, so here's what we're going to do. We're just going to watch. We're going to have you take a PSA test every six months, and we're going to watch it. And uh, it went down a little bit the next time, and then it went up, but it wasn't any much more different than where it was the first time it was up. And so we just watched it and watched it, and, and I kept asking him. I go, well, you know, I'm still over. He goes, well, there's a lot of people that can be over that four uh, that number four and still be okay. It's just a strange thing. Some people just live with a higher number, but we're just going to watch it. And he goes, if it spikes up a couple of numbers or something like that, then we're going to do the next step. Well, uh, just after December of last year, at the end of the holiday, I, I went in about December 30th or so and had my PSA and it was 6.25. And I said, okay, this is getting scary. And I went back to him and he said, all right, we're going to do the next step, which is take an MRI, a prostate MRI, which literally takes thousands of slices of pictures of your, of your prostate so they can really tell whether there's something in there. And sure enough, there was. And so he said, okay, you have prostate cancer. So now uh, we're going we're gonna to take you into the hospital and do another biopsy, which is going to be uh, guided you know, much more clearly because we know now where this thing is. And so they took, uh, they took the biopsy and he, you know, he said, you're lucky. He goes, we've gotten it pretty early here and, uh, your scores are really good. And, um, so 
we know that you have two or three options that we can do to treat this thing. And one of them is to just take out the prostate completely, and the other one is to treat it with radiation. And I opted for the second because there are uh, potentially more problems with taking it out at my age. When you're younger, it's not nearly as big of a deal, but there's more problems uh, potentially, like I say. And the outcome for both is exactly the same. So it's like, okay, I'm going to deal with this. And uh, so Jill and I researched it in detail online. We talked to, of course, our urologist, my urologist, and then met the oncologist that would get involved with this decision. And they all said exactly the same thing that we had been researching and hearing from other cancer survivors and such, that if, if you do this particular two-stage process, you're, you're, you've got as good of an outcome as taking out the prostate completely. And so I indeed opted for that. And this is basically not to, not to graze, you know, give, you know, give you too much information, I suppose, but it's, it's basically they, they insert these radioactive seeds called bracket therapy and uh, they put it straight into the prostate and they put about 30 or 40 of them in there and they do about 70% of the work of killing the cancer and they just stay there forever. But they, they have about a six month uh, amount of, of, of putting out full radiation. And then after that, they pretty much die off. And then so have you had that, that yet, Dave, are you I, at that I stage have, now? Yes. I had it about two and a half weeks ago, three weeks ago, I guess almost. And I was kind of concerned that I, because I had shows to play. The first one was the Fillmore one week after I had that surgery. And I was like, can I do this? And I was asking both doctors and they said, yeah, you're probably going to be just fine. You might have a little bit of pain and so on and so forth. But, you know, I made it through. And then the next week was last weekend. And, uh, both shows went off great, and I had not that much, uh, you know, pain overall, so it was not too bad. And uh, now the next step is five weeks after they insert those seeds, I go for external radiation, and that's five straight weeks of that, five days a week. So, <laughs> and it's t very targeted. They, I guess, give you these little. Um, little tattoos, which will be my first tattoos, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing for a rock band. I don't have any either. So yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I hear you. We're one of the few, but yeah, uh, yeah but, th but this was really one of the best treatment options for my age. I'm 68 years old. I don't mind telling you that uh, because I'm proud of the fact that I still got it. You know, <laughs> as far as I got yeah. my voice is still there. I can still play of guitar. Course. The band sounds great. So, you know, I'm, I'm not worried about it. So that, that's basically it. Uh, and, and that starts in about three weeks from now, somewhere is around there, maybe two and a half, I don't know, somewhere in there. I, I haven't gotten the date yet from the oncologist when that's going to start. But, but uh, Jill, who is my manager and my wife, uh, had set it up so that I wasn't going to play any shows for at least a month after the end of that five-week treatment. Because even though I don't lose my hair or I don't get sick or anything like that, you will potentially, you know, lose some energy for, you know, midway through the treatment because you're getting 
doused with radiation. So, you know, it's, it's bound to happen, but uh, it's not chemotherapy. So, you know, there's nothing like that uh, type of thing. That's, and basically, and do you yeah, feel, end, do you feel okay? I'm sorry to cut you, Dave, but do you feel okay now? Like, do you, are you, yeah. do you, are you in pain now or do you, do you feel pretty much normal now while, while you're in the middle of this? Yeah, it's took, it took literally the last two and a half weeks to get to the point where I'm not in pretty much any pain at all. I mean, occasionally I feel something, but it's, I mean, it's next to nothing. So I'm in good shape. Yeah. I mean, I I feel great. i look the same. I act the same. Uh, No, nobody would know if, if I hadn't known this, you know, that in fact, that's, that's the scary thing about a lot of cancers and certainly prostate cancer in particular is that you could have prostate cancer that is there and already has spread to other parts of your body and not even feel anything. So that's why it's so important to get a, a simple blood test once a year mm. at least. You know, I, it, I can't say enough about that. And there's so many people that I know, and I'm sure you're the same way when you're talking about colon cancer, that they just refuse to go to the doctor. Number one, they don't even get a, a yearly physical. And if they do, they don't get a, a colonoscopy when they're 50 years old or 45 now, I guess it is, or somewhere in there. And they don't get PSA tests. It's like if you're already going to get a blood test, why don't you just get the PSA yeah. added? It's a simple thing. And if you catch, this is one of those cancers. If you catch them early, you can be 100% fixed. It's over. It's done. You're, you're sorted. I mean, sure, it could come back at some point, but even if it does, they can treat it again. You usually outlive this cancer if you get it early enough. So luckily, I have gotten it early enough, and the urologist and the oncologist both feel that at the end of this five-week radiation therapy, I should be done. It should, should you know, and, and then I can, will continue to get PSA tests more frequently to, to really double-check to make sure that the numbers go way down. Yeah. Well, thank God. I mean, thank God they got it early. And I, I, I agree completely about the screening stuff. I mean, I actually, it's funny when you said you, in, with what we do, I, I mean, I have a busy schedule, you're on the road. You, we, we, the type of stuff we do, you get so kind of uh, focused and I know you and I've known you for decades and I know you're a driven guy as well. And you're thinking about the next thing that it's very easy to let yearly physicals and checkups fall between the cracks. And I realized, and I'm good about that too. I usually go every year and I just looked at my own schedule. And I'm like, you know, I actually haven't been in two years. I let a year go by because I usually always do it around my birthday, which is in August. So I've got mine coming up in a month and I'm realizing it's almost two years. So it's very easy, even if you are on it and even if you are good about doing it, to, uh, you know, life gets in the way. You're like, I'll, I'll let it wait. It really isn't something you should let wait. And it is super important, especially as you get older. You mentioned you're 68. I'm yeah. 57. I mean, we're not kids anymore. And I think about, and of course you were a part, uh, you were close with Ronnie James Dio. You were a part of the hearing aid project. You're the first thing that people hear on that recording, actually the first guy singing. Um, Ronnie, and I've done work with the Dio Cancer Fund. I mean, Ronnie and his doctors have told told me repeatedly since we lost him that if he was a guy that would have gotten screened and would have gotten checked, he would likely still be with us. He was the opposite. Yeah. He was the type of guy, ah, there's an ache, there's a pain, there's ah, no, nah, I'm not going to do with that. It'll go away. It'll pass and just move on. And as yeah. much as, you know, there's a mentality there of, of that, 
it's really, really risky. It really is as we get older. It is. It is. And there's a false bravado by some people. Ah, you know, God's nothing. You know, you don't want to do that <laughs> because uh, if if you make the mistake of even, you know, making a, any number of excuses, and like you said, you, you've now missed two years like I did when I realized when I was laying on my back trying to get that thing fixed. Wow, I, I don't normally do that. You know, any number of things could have happened at, at my age but in the last two years. You just don't want to do that. You just you, you, you want to at least get screened once a year. And it's screened, I'm meaning you just literally get a blood test. It's, it's as simple as that. And, of course, a colonoscopy maybe uh, depends on whether or not you've had anybody in your family has had it or something yeah. like that. Then yes. you, you either have it once every 10 years or once every five years or something like that. And colonoscopies are really nothing. I might have had a couple They're of not. them and I'm, I'm due with another one coming up. And the worst part of it is just the night the before when, when you have to take all this junk to, to get everything yeah, you out of you and eat. clean yourself out. <laughs> yeah. It's not a big deal at all. That's why I talk about it so openly, because especially as guys, it's like, oh, we don't talk about that. No, bullshit. It's not a big deal. It really isn't. And it's it's so important. My dad, if you, I still have my dad. He's in his early 80s. I mean, I wouldn't have him if it wasn't for the fact that he took it upon himself to get checked. But as soon as it's in your family and there's family history, then the timeline changes a little bit. You go a little more frequently. You start going a little earlier. But yeah, I mean, all this stuff, uh, you know, as much as I live in this world of rock, you live in this world of rock and we're just hyper focused about what we do. You do have to take that second, especially when you get older to, uh, you know, to think about it and, and, and do the right thing. And and I'm glad that that they caught it early and it sounds like you're going to be good. So I'm, I'm very, very happy to hear that. Um, only got a couple more minutes here, Dave, but tell sure. my audience above and beyond what what you're dealing with medically, and uh, we're all confident and optimistic you're going to be fine. What's the what's the plans for Y and T once you do get through all of this? Are you gonna have you have you thought about a new record? Are you going to go out and uh, just keep hitting the road? What's the plan? Well, I've been really bad about coming up with new material. I, I'm be honest with you <laughs> you know it <laughs> i mean that when was the last time we released a new studio record you know it was, face melter right yeah face melter exactly yeah. and that was 2010 so it's been a long time uh i absolutely am going in the studio and going to start coming up with some new material in in the next couple of months literally starting right away so yeah i mean that's a plan in my mind that i'm going to put forth and uh we are doing limited shows during the summer, but we're still playing. And uh, like I said, it's going to be about a month after the end of my treatment that we're going to start back up again sometime in July. Um, and then we're going to do uh, the full-on two-month European tour in the fall, uh, September, October into November, the beginning of November, and then uh, playing some more shows out. So, yeah, I mean, we're just going to get back to the road again. And uh, assuming that my treatment was successful, which we all expect it will be, uh, nothing will change. I, you know, put a new record out at some point and uh, hopefully within the year. And, uh, you know, but recording won't happen right away, obviously. I'm, I'm going to just take my baby steps of going out there. Sometimes what happens with me is I just have to get started. It's just you got to kickstart yourself. And then once that happens, 
the juices fl- are flowing and, and I start coming up with stuff right and left. So I'm hopeful that that'll be the same scenario here. Well, uh, I know you're going to get better here and I, and I, um, we're all pulling for you and hope this gets uh, behind you uh, sooner than later and look forward to seeing some shows soon. Anybody, and I can t- attest to this, having seen the band so much, uh, you're spot on about what you say there. There are some of these guys that have stayed too long at the party and you're like, why are they still up there doing it? They can't sing. They can't play anymore like they used to. You, nobody could ever say that about uh, Dave Menachetti or anybody in YNT. The band is still absolutely devastating live and I can't wait to see a show soon. And also remind everybody, I, I noticed the documentary, I believe, is now on Amazon Prime, I think, right? So yes, that's a little is. bit more absolutely. accessible for people that didn't see the On With The Show documentary uh, which is fantastic. You can now see it on Amazon, and I highly recommend everybody checking out that doc about the uh, the history of of truly one of the great bands, Y&T. Uh, my best to Jill, and uh, my best to you for a speedy recovery, Dave. I appreciate you coming on and sharing uh, sharing your thoughts about this and what's going on with you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Eddie, and I appreciate you having me on. I, I, I didn't want to sit here and preach all day, but, you know, it, it, it's a good idea to just get it out there. So... Um, no, it's important. It really is. It's not something it's not something you can gloss over and when it hits directly whether it's somebody in somebody's family or or the person itself or or somebody like yourself that a lot of people love and look up to and and I think it's important to get this stuff out there because too often we go through life and and don't do the little things that could maybe prevent this. I think that's the message in all of it. Yes, absolutely. Well, thanks, thanks again, Eddie. And, uh, of course, check out the documentary, because guess who else is included in the documentary? Eddie himself, as a matter of fact. <laughs> the narrator did a hell of a job, didn't he? <laughs> he sure did, boy. Wow, I just love the way he put it down. <laughs> well, it was an honor to be a part of it, man. I really appreciate that. And, uh, again, best to you and Jill. And, and get well soon, man. Keep us posted on how you're doing, and hopefully I get a chance to see you soon. Shall do. Cheers. Well, I love that guy. He is uh, one of my favorites, and we wish him nothing but the best for a speedy recovery. Dave Menachetti of YNT laying it all out for you. And I cannot echo his thoughts enough about the the importance of being screened, especially as we get older. I've got my physical coming up in a couple of days. It's so important to do. Thankfully for Dave, as you heard, he caught, they caught what he was going through early. And hopefully that will mean a good prognosis in his uh, in his battle with prostate cancer. Again, wishing him nothing but the best. And hopefully he gets back out there and gets out playing again very, very soon. And maybe even makes a new Y&T record. It's been a little while since there's been one. So hopefully he feels up to that and we can get some more music out of him somewhere in the very near future. Again, thanks to Dave. Please be sure to follow me on social media for info and updates at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, page on Facebook. And also eddytrunk.com is the website. Joel Pollock is the producer. Thank you all. I'll catch you next Thursday back here on the podcast. And hopefully, if you're listening on Sirius XM, every day on volume, 2 to 4, 10 to midnight Eastern on 106, Talking Rock with you. Have a good rest of the week, everybody. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. 
See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.